Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode, and today we are joined by Trevor. Trevor is a rent to retirement client. He is getting some of the new construction in Florida that everybody is looking at because it is an incredible opportunity at the moment. So Trevor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ed. My pleasure to be here. Yeah. So before we delve into your current, you know, what's going on with your investment now, can you tell us a little bit about your investment journey so far? Like, how did you get started investing? Sure. I got started back in around 2013. So throughout this whole process prior to 2013 and even up to present, I've been a, you know, your standard nine to five employee W2 type jobs. And so real estate for me, the journey has been sort of a side hustle or almost a second job <laughs> at some points. So back in 2013, probably like a lot of your listeners on here, I um, came through bigger pockets, had watched an uh, absorbed denial of podcasts and gone through a number of forums and things like that and was just fascinated by real estate. And so um, actually, I live here in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, but at the time, you know, in Raleigh, it was say a 1% rule on a lot of the properties, which, you know, is incredible today. But at the time, you could go to other places in like, um, for example, Cleveland, Ohio, where I ended up investing, and you get closer to a 3% rule at the time. So it was it was like shooting fish in a barrel sort of thing. Problem was, I was very, very new and um, made a lot of mistakes that the first go around. So anything you could possibly think of for, you know, hiring a cheap um, home inspector who, you know, the second I walked in the house after purchasing said, oh, the stairs are crooked. We have foundation issues. Oh my goodness. To, you know, I actually had a, it was funny, a, a cop as a tenant. And at the end, he actually took the washer and dryer with him that were mine. And so I got, I got theft from a cop. So there was kind of a, a lot of different things that didn't work out so well, but as I say, you learn the most from the first one. So um, did end up, that's the, the first and only loss I've ever taken in real estate, but um, lost a little bit of money on that one. But I guess I, I choose to look at it as a great education that I got and everything not to do. Um, but then I did for a little bit make sort of the single biggest real estate mistake in my life. And that's, I said, hey, I guess real estate investing isn't for me. I'm going to go back to my W-2 job. And for two years, during a great two years, almost anywhere in the US, I was not in the real estate market. Despite having all these lessons I could have applied <laughs> to future investments, I just stopped. Then about 2015, I just continued to absorb bigger pockets material and got the itch again to get back into real estate. And so started, um, actually got my broker's license here in North Carolina and started working as a real estate um project manager on the side. And so learned some things there about the rehab process and things like that. And then shortly thereafter, just started a, a journey both on the real estate acquisition side and also on the, the lending side as well, using my self-directed IRA of doing, say, private money loans or hard money loans and, and things like that. And then on the, the real estate active side of things, whether it was you know, um, finding them myself through direct marketing or using brokers in other areas of the country to find properties or going through turnkey investments, sort of diversified out into a number of different single family 
opportunities. And, and then in between, I've just kind of got into a lot of other stuff like agricultural investing abroad and short-term <laughs> investing abroad and some node investing and kind of done a lot of interesting things. I'm just one of those that loves to dabble. I got my appraiser's license somewhere in the process <laughs> as well. So one of these guys that's uh, maybe a, a jack or jail of all trades, but master of none <laughs> sort of thing. So, yeah, it sounds like you've uh, you've touched on most of the asset classes inside real estate there. Yeah, maybe a little bit of shiny object syndrome, <laughs> a little bit, but uh, certainly from my perspective, especially with after-tax dollars, the you know single-family it doesn't have to be single-family, but direct real estate investment from a tax optimization standpoint has just been so good for myself and my family. So, was it just because you lost that? the money on the deal that you got out of real estate or was there something else for those two years that you were missing there? Cause I mean, the education was good, but then it also, you were kind of educated, but scared off was, or why do you think you stayed away? I think there was a, that's a great question. I think there's a fear-based component to it, no doubt. And maybe some trust issues after getting burned by a number of vendors, again, out of state, but I think more than anything else. And, and this is something that I see a lot, particularly on say the bigger pockets forums with the do it yourselfers that I think there's not really a, a good acknowledgement by a lot of individuals of the immense amount of time that's put into these things, especially if you're doing, say, self-management. If you're, say, identifying a market and identifying all the vendors in that market and underwriting all these different potential deals and not to mention, obviously, anything if you want to do leverage on working through the loan process. I mean, you're essentially giving away your first child as far as the amount of information that they require, that sort of thing. It's really, it's daunting. It's a lot. And so for us, it was just sort of the, I, I guess, the exhaustion from having gone through that entire process and sort of had um, got knocked down that first time was just something I need a little bit of a break <laughs> before jumping in again. Okay. All right. So when you're, when you were buying your properties and as you've been buying your properties, you know, you hear the stories from people who are just like, Oh, you know, I got 800 doors in two years. Are you, what's been your strategy? Are you doing like one or two or three a year or kind of how has your portfolio been built up over time? Yeah. So, and I, I totally admire those individuals who are able to scale extremely quickly. Um, for us, we've really focused a lot more on diversification across a lot of different investment opportunities, real estate and otherwise. And so, you know, I've sort of approached it more of, you know, backing into it. You know, they talk about getting into your whys and all that sort of stuff and start setting what is the amount of money that you need and backing into it that way. And so in doing so, I realized the, the amount of doors that I actually would need, and that's assuming that all of my passive income was coming from real estate, which it's not. But in doing so, it, it really wasn't that many. And so um, that's probably what's made me a little different than some of the other investors who have really just, if they can, more doors, more doors, scale, scale, scale. That just was never really my philosophy going along. And so um, we are, we've been very fortunate. Our real estate holdings um, have all done very, very well, as has the stock market thus far and, and some other things like that. So, um, you know, we feel like we're positioned pretty well. But again, for me, it was just more of wanting to diversify out a little more than putting all of my eggs in one basket. Yeah. So are you still in Cleveland? And then when, what markets are you in right now? I am not in Cleveland. Um, so I, 
you know, and Zach Lemaster and Rent Retirement actually helped me do some 1031 exchanges as well. And so I'm just thinking through, we've done a number of different sales recently. I'm in Huntsville, Alabama and nice. Cape Coral, Florida right now. And so I was in a few other states, um, Cleveland, once I had liquidated out of those in 2014, um, no offense, Cleveland, but I just never went back. <laughs> um, uh, probably should. I know a lot of investors have done very, very well in that area. I just- uh, I, Once I bit, twice shy. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but was in other markets, Little Rock, Arkansas, Fayetteville, North Carolina, some other areas like that. And so, um, again, I think one of the things that I've really tried to do is make sure that I'm positioned to be nimble and that continuing to identify new markets. And one of the things that Renter Retirement and Zach Masters really taught me is, is how to be fluid as markets change and how to sort of trade over into something else. So that's not to say these other investments weren't good. It's just they've sort of reached a point where there was a lot of appreciation that I could cash out and move into a, an investment that had a little bit more upside. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you mentioned the two markets you're in and one of them is Huntsville, Alabama, which I've learned a lot about over the last year and him absolutely shocked by that market, honestly, because whenever, whenever a lot of people think of Alabama, I think who don't live in the Alabama area, you think of type thing. And uh, then I started seeing people buying properties in Alabama and I thought, why are they doing that? And then I looked at the state and it's a lot more impressive than I ever would have thought. Um, so I admire your ability to get into that market because that can be a tough market to find a good property in terms of actually like price point and rent working. Um, the market itself is great, but the sometimes making the numbers work can be a little trickier there. Um, cause the rents lag a little bit farther behind prices I found, but Cape Coral, um, that is a market that we're in and we're building in. Talk to me a little bit about what attracted you to that, uh, the builds there. Yeah. So I had engaged, um, rent retirement after having, um, a really good first experience with them on a turnkey property in Little Rock, Arkansas, and just had reached back out and said, Hey, this went really well. Um, you know, we've sort of established a good relationship. This is working. Let's rinse and repeat and, and go for number two. And so during that process of exploration and sort of asking, well, uh, you know, rent retirements, a number of different markets, what are some other opportunities out there? Zach had pointed out Cape Coral as a market that they were really getting into and were really bullish on. And for me, there were a few different reasons that I went the Cape Coral route, um, one, they've got a lot of macro factors that really um, are, are sort of in their favor. So, for example, um, Florida's population growth is absolutely booming, as it is in the whole Sunbelt area. And that's typically where I focused in general. You know, you have lower property taxes, a business friendly state, um, more landlord friendly laws, things like that. The weather's incredible. And then Cape Coral in specific, you know, if you go on, on Zillow, for example, and you put in filters for, say, raw land under $50,000, and you're looking along the coast, especially in southern Florida, Cape Coral is one of those last bastions where you can find land like that. And actually, I almost did a double take when Zach was going through the prices. <laughs> and said, let me let me understand this. I, I can have a brand spanking new build near the beach in Southern Florida for this price. And the lots are selling and the lots, we'll get into this for a second, were ridiculously low at the time. They've gone up some since, which 
sort of validates the theory that um, <laughs> this is actually a, a really good investment and other people are starting to get in on that. And the, the irony, of course, is I'm telling everybody else about this right now. So don't buy all the lots out there because save some for me. <laughs> but it's it's been a really, really good investment um, thus far. And I've been really happy with it. And it it really did this investment opportunity have this perfect trifecta of instant equity upon completion with a strong and in this case realized appreciation and really really solid cash flow for a usually you on the pendulum right you you've got a little bit of one or the other you're in say a more cash flow market like a lot of the markets in the midwest but the appreciation potential is just never going to be that large or you're in say an area that's you know, take San Francisco would be a great example of it's almost completely an appreciation play. You're just hoping that it's going to continue to go up. There's not a lot of cash flow. And Cape Coral is this just unique opportunity for now where you've got both in in sort of a great combination. And, and that's just something I've not been able to find, at least from a turnkey offering anywhere else in the country. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things if you Look at the market value of the homes right now and the rents compared to it. If you were actually having to pay market, it could be uh, a little trickier to make a cash flow. But it's, uh, you know, it's, the prices we're able to get them now, it's still a, a good cash flow going on. So you mentioned the the land prices. And yes, that is, they have been going up substantially over the last, you know, year or so. But, you know, it's still, when you look at the appraisals coming in at, 350, 360, some even up to 380 or 400. But even at 350, the land now is averaging somewhere in that low 30s for uh, for your lot. That's still less than 10% of the value. So it's still a, a solid percentage there. So let's go over the kind of the process. Because one of the things that people don't understand so much, it's kind of the harder thing for, for you to think about is the fact that this is a construction to permanent loan. So Tell me a little bit about kind of your starting process when it came to this. Like what was the the first thing you did was you asked for the contract and you got a call from the builder, right? To talk lots. Right, right. That's exactly how that worked. And so um, the builder has essentially my understanding of, of their process is they've made offers and have certain lots um, under control or under contract that they can then assign to the clients. So for example, for me, I was given, say, a list of lots and I'd had a conversation with the builder about, you know, here are my parameters in my particular case, um, being from Minnesota, uh, you know, everybody wants to be on water. So I'm like, I need to be on a canal lot um, sort of thing. And so we had um, filtered for that parameter and just talked through some of the different areas in Northern Cape Coral of what might be better and some of the general rules of thumb and sort of filtered down to a lot that made sense. And so had selected that lot. Yep. That was the first step. And then thereafter, as memory serves me, and it's been a few months now, um, <laughs> we're rinsing and repeating, um, then it was going through the pre-approval process with the lender before signing the construction contract, that sort of thing. And so that's sort of um, an interesting process of its own. And I can dive into that if you'd like, or we yeah. can continue. Um, so one of the things that I learned, and this was completely new to me, so new construction is, is newer to me. And um, I had thought much like any other you know, investment property, you you get an investment loan, you put your 20% down and you're off to the races. I, I figured that was just how it worked with the construction loan process as well. Well, as I've learned, um, the 
the typical lending institutions do not do investment loans on construction, on new construction. And so as such, you essentially have to go the private money route to get these um, investment loans. And so you're looking at some some different lenders. I, I don't use the term hard money. Typically, I think a hard money is like 12%, two points, something like that, more for very short rehab periods. When you're mm-hmm. talking private money, um, you know, depending on the lender, you're really talking more of the you know, eight, nine, 10% range, say one and a half to two and a half points somewhere in there, obviously appraisal fee and uh, application fee and a couple of those other things you'd see with a traditional lender anyways. But what makes that different is you sort of originate, you get approved for this process and then then you go through the the signing of the construction contract and, and that sort of thing. But the loan processes, you essentially have this construction loan with private money while you're going through the process, similar in a sense to rehab, but a longer period of time. And obviously everybody understands it's going to take upwards of a year, um, sometimes even slightly longer given the delays with permitting and some of those things with the city of Cape Coral right now, as I'm sure they're inundated. Um, but then on the back end, that's when obviously no one's going to want to continue to pay eight, nine, 10% into perpetuity. That just kills your cash flow. Yeah. On the back end, that's when you're reaching out to your traditional lenders to, um, refinance that into a permanent loan situation. You're, you know, 20% down 30 year fixed sort of thing. So that's sort of more what everybody else is familiar with. But I think for the, the folks listening to this, just to be aware that that's um, something that's a little bit different about this process. And, and frankly, it's sort of, it's a necessary um, process. And I'll get into that for a second. Um, some people have built their own homes before, whether it be for themselves or say even an investment home with new construction. And typically what they've done is they'll sign a, and Adam, I think you and I were just talking a little bit ago that you've got this experience in, in a market you're investing in where you'll put down a deposit, yes, but you actually close on the loan when they're done. Yep. And pro to that is you don't have this period of time where you have this you know exposure and you're paying these these points and and the, this interest and that sort of thing con of that is you don't get that instant equity at the end in the same way so for example um, with my first property I bought it in I closed in April on it and at the time I was the lot was like I bought it for a song. I like to say it was about 10,500. I think it's (laughs) worth almost 40 right now, just to show you how much has changed in less than a year. Um, And all in, including construction. And I know construction costs, cost materials, everything's gone up, you know, even since then, but I was all in at 238. And at the time the performer that rent retirement sends out said, Hey, you can expect rental income when this is completed to be about 1850. And I want to say at the time, the you know kind of ballpark hey you we're looking at like 285 290 that these things could appraise for i'm like great instant equity as soon as this thing's built that's fantastic i'm in for 238 a little more once you factor in the interest and that sort of thing um but still instant equity built in versus paying market rate um as it was done now because of what cape coral's done over the past when it's been longer than a year but during my period of time in the past say 10 months or so that property that's going to be finished next month that was 
valued at the time at around 285 is now valued at more like the 375, 380 standpoint from an appraisal. And so that's been just fantastic. The amount of instant equity that I'm going to have from day one is over $100,000. In addition, and so that's sort of the, the appreciation component of it, but the other component of it is the cash flow. It's just the most interesting thing to me what Cape Coral's done and just the dearth of rentals in that area right now. Um, talking to the property manager, he had said, you know, we get, you know, upwards of 10 plus applications over a weekend when we put it on there. And it's most of these are rented prior to build even being completed. Yep. At the time that 1850, now we're looking at, I know the last one he had said he rented for 2300 a month. And he had told me, hey, look, Trevor, I just keep raising these things $100 each every time I get a new one that comes in. So he hasn't found that ceiling yet. Now, <laughs> I have no idea what that's going to look like, and neither does he, and he needs to have the comps to support it. My point is, I'm essentially going into this next month when this is completed, having essentially had a home run where I'm all in for 238 It's valued around 375 I thought I was going to get 1850 for it. I'm going to get at least 2300 and potentially have that rented with no vacancy period at all. And I'm going to have essentially achieved a 1% rule in Cape Coral, Florida on a brand spanking new build. I mean, if anybody else has a better investment, I'm all ears, but that's, I'm very, very happy with that. Yeah. I mean, that's a nice $450 a month uh, cash flow bump. That'll, uh, that'll be nice. <laughs> nice. People are happy to get, you know, $350 cash flow on a, on a property, let alone a $450 increase. So during your, during the actual build time, mm -hmm. what is the kind of talk about how involved, how involved have you been in it? Um, besides, are you just getting like, you know, the, the bills from the, from the, loan officers saying, Hey, you know, this month you owe this much an in interest or how involved have you had to be in the actual process? Is it just paying the bills or kind of what, what is it there? Well, I would say there's as involved as you need to be. And then there's involved as you want to be. And so I'm probably a little bit of an investor horse of a different color in that my daytime job, I'm a project manager. So I might be the, the builder's worst nightmare in that <laughs> I love updates and I, you know, I love a good Gantt chart and some of those things. And so the builder that I'm working with does have a um, software platform called builder trend. And it's a, it's a great project management platform. And on there, they'll post pictures of progress and they'll give you a sense of, you know, we're out of the interior work stage and into finishing that sort of thing. They'll kind of walk you through every stage of the process. So you'll see that all. And certainly there's a communication method in there that you can reach out to the builder, that sort of thing. So I know some investors um, in the Cape Coral area who are working with rent to retirement have, you know, Outside of just paying that, like you said, that that bill to the lender once a month on the interest accrued, really just wait for an update and they're good. And they understand that, you know, this is not a quick process. It's it's going to take a while for this bill to complete. And and I think that's that's maybe um, the one thing I would tell your listeners as well is, you know, there's this hurry up period of time where you're getting all this documentation together for the lender and you're signing the contracts and you're getting all set to go and set up with the platform. And then there's just this lull that happens. Yep. And from your standpoint, you think nothing's going on. Why am I not seeing something going up? I'm not seeing ground being broke. What, what's going on here? But what 
what isn't known is behind the scenes, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on, some of which the builder has control over and some of which you're at the mercy of the local municipality. So going through submitting all the permitting, all the designs, all that sort of stuff takes a long period of time. And, and I think I saw somewhere that Cape Coral started the second most builds in the nation or something like that. It was something crazy. And so the how that department is able to handle all the new permitting <laughs> that's going through, I'm sure they're just backed up. And so, you know, with my first one, I got through out of the gates a little quicker, but I know since it's just become even more of a slog there. So I would just encourage anyone who's looking into this to just be patient after you sign the contract, certainly follow up. They'll answer your questions if you have any. And the nice thing I found is while the builder, you know, was there to answer questions, if I ever had just another question on say strategy or, you know, wasn't getting what I thought I needed from the builder, a quick email over to the guys at rent to retirement. They jump on the phone. We talk it through. If we need to have a three-way call with the builder to get something figured out, you know, they were just great about providing that safety net and support. So, you know, really thankful for that. And um, yeah, so since then, I'll just say that, you know, we've got the one that's finishing. I think I alluded to earlier, we did the 10, or I've done the 1031 exchange on a few different properties. I actually now have three more builds that um, I've signed the construction contracts on. So we're sort of in that holding pattern right now before they start waiting for the permit to get done. And a couple more um, properties that I'm sort of doing a bit of land banking of sorts, mm -hmm. uh, betting that at the end of the day, it's the, I mean, if you look since say February, that $10,500 lot I've purchased is now worth nearly 40. So you've almost quadrupled the value during that time. So yes, construction costs have gone up from say 223 to 245, 247-ish, but you know that's a much smaller increase than the land. And anywhere you look, California or otherwise, it's not so much the what sits on the land, it's the land itself that holds the, the value. And so for me, that's where I've been um, really focusing on purchasing the lots, especially, and then building as I can over time. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great strategy. Well, do you have any words of advice to any other investors um, just about kind of the mindset you've had to have as a real estate investor going through not just this process, but just going into real estate investing, getting back into real estate investing? Um, just any final thoughts you have for uh, listeners? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of different things. One, I would say, you know, it's always fascinated me that folks will say, go into the grocery store and they'll look at a dollar difference in the price of a can of whatever soup or something like that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to an investment that's hundreds of thousands of dollars, I found a lot of investors don't take the extra hour or two to really underwrite the deal, to ask the lender, explain these fees, to compare different lenders, to do some of those different things that'll save thousands of dollars for a relatively minimal amount of effort. I've just seen a, a lot of investors who, um, I don't know if it's it's just not comfortable with the process or, or what it is, but you know, renter retirement's always been there to answer those questions for me if you ask them. So I would just say, you know, always be sure to, to shop around lenders, shop around for insurance providers, that sort of thing. It can save you a boatload of money. And it just, it's been fascinating to me how many just take whoever the first person is who's offered and go with that and could potentially lose out on a lot of money. So um, that's one. And then the other thing is, especially with these new builds, 
Patience is, is the name of the game here. Um, I'm still incredibly bullish on Cape Coral and where it's going um, for the next few years. And again, even lots at 40,000 are still a steal in my opinion. And so I'm conservatively underwriting these numbers and buffering a little bit, even from what retro retirement has in their pro forma, you know, in case we, we do have um, some sort of real estate pullback, that sort of thing. And they're still working out well. So I'll continue to rinse and repeat in this market as, as long as it works. Yeah, absolutely. So I know I've, I've mentioned it on the show here before, whenever I was talking with, I think Eric, but you know, in, I'm in Austin in Travis County, they've just valued the land of every lot at a hundred thousand dollars. So people, uh, <laughs> a, a, a seaside lot for, you know, $35,000 is, uh, $35,000, is not that expensive. And especially lots here are smaller than what you're getting in Cape Coral. So I want to thank you for your time today, Trevor. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for all of our listeners. If you want to reach out to us to learn more about Cape Coral or learn more about the other markets that we're in, head on over to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Also, please go on to your podcast platform. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. We'd really appreciate it. Again, that's renttoretirement.com, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com.